From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary stranger, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Ian Patterson is uh, here to explain how black ops, aliens, spirits, Bigfoot are all connected. Our untold history, that's coming up in just a few moments. First, let me wish you all a very merry, a very blessed Christmas. Kala Christuyana. And, of course, a happy Hanukkah. Just a programming note. Next week on the program, Jonathan Kahn will be here, my guest. Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, of course, the author of uh, The Harbinger, which caused quite a stir, The Mystery of the Shemitah, and his new book is called The Book of Mysteries. He'll be here to talk about that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, let me welcome a new affiliate aboard. We are very thankful and happy to welcome KMAJ1440, the big talker in Topeka, Kansas. Welcome aboard and thank you. KMAJ for making The Conspiracy Show part of your radio family. Uh, let me quickly introduce the boys in the band on the other side of the glass on the Gibson Flying V guitar, Ian Robertson, who's off uh, getting a pizza at the front door. We, we're going to have a little pizza party here tonight. Uh, and here in studio with me, my story producer on the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin Albert Vinzel, who also doubles as our um, resident remote viewer. And uh, just very quickly, uh, this is our, our regular segment. This will be our last. What's in the box for 2016? Uh, Albert, our remote viewer, what do you think is in that box? Have you thought about it? Have you had time to contemplate, to well, transcend space and time, my friend? Well, I think it may be a coin, like I get a metallic sound or a bell ringing. Metallic? All right, listen, we're gonna, I'm not going to reveal it till the bottom of the hour. Work on that a little bit. Metallic? That's good. You're not there, though. Keep working, keep utilizing the remote viewing protocols. And for those of you listening uh, at home, if you want to uh, to try and utilize your own remote viewing skills, uh, you can send me a tweet with your guess. Use the hashtag TCS, TCS, as in the conspiracy show, TCS remote. Is that right, Albert? Is that yeah. the, the hashtag? Yeah. Hashtag TCS remote. And uh, let me know what's in the box. All right. Uh, around the age of 23, so we're going back now into the early 90s, uh, my next guest was introduced to a UK Royal Air Force person who claimed he knew about aliens. And uh, so my guest wanted to, to film this person for a documentary about aliens uh, at some later date. So he met the person. They spent about three hours talking in a, in a car park. And uh, this individual with the, uh, the RAF, uh, talked about dimensions and orbs and, and so much more. And so my guest started to doubt the man as uh, he'd never even heard of orbs. And so he never got to film this uh, individual as he was called away on duty. However, uh, a few years later, 1998 now, my guest's father passed away and he helped his mother use a homemade Ouija board. At this point, he didn't uh, believe in spirits, but after asking the Ouija board some questions... Uh, the glass started to move, or the, the planchet started to move around on the board, and it, it was giving the correct answers. And then he had no doubt that there was a spirit world. 
Over the following years, he began researching what he could find about aliens, and he heard eyewitnesses claim the same things that the the uh, RAF individual did all those years before, and this made him a believer. So, about three years ago, he started looking for books that connected everything, but there weren't any. And so, he thought it was time to write one. And now we have Black Ops, Aliens, Spirits, Bigfoot, and Our Untold History. Ian Patterson was born and raised in London, London, England. From an early age, he was fascinated by TV programs with aliens in them, and he remembers his mother reading an article from a newspaper about a man who went into his back garden and vanished, never to be seen again. Of course, this sparked his interest in the paranormal. His work today is mainly in directing and writing low-budget films, documentaries, and computer special effects. Ian Patterson, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm very well, and I understand it's very early in London. It's about 4 o'clock in the morning, I think, give or take. So thank you for for, uh, getting up early or staying up late, whatever the case may be. (laughs) That's okay. Thank you. So this is uh, quite an undertaking. Um, uh, Black Ops, Aliens, Spirits, Bigfoot, and Our Untold History. And uh, you, you discuss alien races, the Anunnaki, bloodlines, ghosts, spirits, souls, dinosaurs, cattle mutilation, so much more. And uh, the sort of the thesis is that all of these uh, things are in some way connected. So yeah. um, let's start. Well, where else are we going to start? We're going to start at the beginning. And um, when we look at Genesis, for example, that's probably the best place to start because, um, well, you, you tell us sort of what your years of research have led you to believe about we have sort of the, the, the biblical creation story and how that connects ultimately to everything else. Let's, you know, E.T., for example. Okay. Um, well, sort of a, a rough example would be um, the Anunnaki, as it says in the Book of Enoch, the Anunnaki, just over 2,000 years ago, set off a nuclear explosion. Um so I needed to see whether that that there was any correlation between uh, the Book of Enoch, the Bible, and any scientific proof. Um, the scientific proof comes in the form of a radiation belt about 7,000 miles ar- around the area that the Book of Enoch says that there was a nuclear explosion. And when I looked into the Bible, we could see that the Bible would actually say that um, the... Sorry, I'm slightly nervous. The uh, explosion caused um, the... I've actually got it written down here, if that's okay. Um, In Zechariah, this shall be the plague which the Lord will strike all the peoples down, um, which would be the nuclear explosion. Right, right. Um, Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouth. Uh, And many people died from water because it was bitter. So that put the connection between uh, all three of those, the Book of Enoch, the real proof, that, the, and there was even uh, green grass found in the desert. So in 1950, I think it was. Right. So, uh, I think, um, was that the Gobi Desert in India or somewhere near Pakistan? And this this sand was fused, and, they, and it has been suggested that this was evidence of a, an ancient nuclear bl- blast and, and uh, the Vedic writings. Uh, also make reference to some sort of what sounds very much like a nuclear war. Uh, Robert Oppenheimer, 
of course, the father of, of the nuclear bomb once commented when he was asked uh, after the, the test uh, explosion at Trinity whether this was the first use of a nuclear bomb, and he said yes, and then he said in modern times, mm. which is very interesting. I, I think I also read somewhere that um, Einstein um, co- commented on the green glass as well. Hmm, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I, I remember that from way back. That's another thing that sort of, over, over the years, little things keep piquing my interest, which kept me going and going and going. And I think that was one of them. So, again, the, the timing of this ancient nuclear blast was, was how long ago? Um, just over 2,000 years. 2000, uh, the dates are slightly, you know, within a hundred or so years, but it's about 2,100, 2,200 years ago. Well, that is, uh, that would be... Just the, before Jesus. Okay, before the birth of Christ. Okay, so... Yeah. The, all right. Now, the, um, the, the book of Enoch, it talks specifically about... Does it mention the Anunnaki by name? No, it doesn't. Uh, well, it... <laughs> There's a few different translations of the Anunnaki. Um, some people call them the princely seeds. Um, others call them those from heaven came to earth, and slightly vari- variations of that. The, I mean, my interpretation of, of um, the Anunnaki is that their actual name isn't the Anunnaki because no race would call themselves princely seeds, and no race would call themselves those who heaven came to earth. Um, the the only word that kept keeps coming up over and over again is Elohim that's the only I mean everything else they they talk about you know, Enoch and Enki and Anu and what they have for breakfast and all, they actually really do cover everything and the only thing they don't actually talk about is the, the race name which um, they have actually got Elohim all over the place so that makes me believe that the their actual real race name is, is Elohim Right, because is Elohim is, is is a Hebrew word, but it is it's sort of plural, but it's also um, yeah. It kind of breaks the rules of grammar because it can be used also as a singular, meaning a God, but also gods. Now, Christians would look at Elohim and they would say that in the Old Testament, uh, that is almost a it's the the Trinity is contained within the word Elohim because they're really hinting at the Trinity even though it's the Old Testament, but you're saying the Elohim, in this case the gods, are referring to the Anunnaki, which is, I guess that would be the Sumerian word for these, uh, these, these yeah. yeah, these entities. Yeah. Okay, so, um, can, we were talking, so we were talking about uh, the book of Enoch, and the, um, the idea that, and the Sumerian creation legend, uh, Sumer, uh, that, the the human race was kind of a, a a a hybrid experiment right it was they um they created they created man from modern man i guess from the primitive inhabitants of the earth and they did a little dna splicing with the anunnaki is that is that do i have the gist of it yeah that's that's um one of the sort of telltale factors is in the Book of Enoch, one of the, I think it's um, Enki, goes off to Africa. Um, and Africa is the, the modern place that we all agree that where the first sort of human originated from. So when I talk to people and they say, oh, yes, but you're saying Mesopotamia and Sumeria, how can you 
justify the fact that modern science is now saying that it's coming from um, Africa. But we can actually say it's coming from Africa because in the Book of Enoch it says that uh, Enki goes off to Africa and that's where he creates modern man. So it sort of all ties in still. All right, let me just uh, jump in here. We've got a break coming up. Ian Patterson, my guest. Live on the line from London, England, Black Ops, Alien Spirits, Bigfoot, and our untold history. Everything is connected. Back with more in a moment here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Just a reminder, we will reveal the contents of our um, our humidor <laughs> The uh, What's in the Box segment. And again, use the hashtag TCS Remote. TCS Remote. Uh, Ian Patterson is with us from London, England. Black Ops, Aliens, Spirits, Bigfoot, and Our Untold History. Uh, by the way, Ian, how, how can people get a copy of the book? Um, it's available on Amazon and Amazon Kindle and Amazon Kindle Unlimited. All right. Um, you, you mentioned the... Uh, evidence of a, uh, a nuclear explosion uh, some 2,100 years ago, and um, there seems to be evidence of uh, cosmic wars that go back even further. Uh, we had John Brandenburg on the program, I guess, a couple weeks ago, and he, he was talking about evidence for a nuclear blast on Mars. Uh, this would have been millions of years ago that, that um, he's a, he says the signature is unmistakable. There's no other way. The uh, the radiation signature could get there. It's not a comet impact. It had to be a nuclear blast. Uh, and he said this is what destroyed the atmosphere and the ancient civilization on Mars. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, I looked into that myself. Um, there's a few people that... Uh, some people say that the indigenous people to Mars actually destroyed themselves. And then there's other people that say that another race, a third race, came along and destroyed them also. It, it's really, really tricky because, as you know, the only sort of real people that would know the answer to exactly what's happened on would be NASA, I think. Um, and they don't actually, they won't give out any information on rock sam samples, etc. Which are also slightly dubious whether actually some of the rovers are actually really on Mars or whether they're actually on a, a remote island that NASA uses here on on the UK uh, in the on Earth. Right. So to, to answer your question, I don't know for sure. It's really difficult because I don't. It's something you can't sort of check up on. Hundred and ten percent. You know, you just can't get that information. Right. I mean, now, the yeah. the <laughs> um, the Anunnaki, uh, their home planet Nibiru, uh, sometimes referred to as, as Planet X, and uh, there is a. Um, I guess we first started hearing about Nibiru coming around. Well, we heard about it from obviously from Zachariah Sitchin, um, but there's recently been a, a woman claiming to be an ET contactee, um, whose name escapes me. Nancy, uh, it's uh, Leave Myers, Le Lever or Myers, uh, Leader, something like that. Leader, yes. Leader, that's it. Yeah, and she. She believes that uh, Nibiru is headed back this way. This is again the, the home planet of the Anunnaki. Um, in fact, some claim that uh, Nibiru is, is set to swing by the Earth, which would cause a cataclysmic event. 
uh, wouldn't necessarily have to collide with the Earth, but just passing, you know, within the within the vicinity would cause, you know, massive tsunamis and earthquakes, and it would be a planet killer essentially. Uh, she says it, uh, or it has been reported by some that this planet is supposed to swing by um, even before the end of this year. Any thoughts on on Nibiru coming back? Um, yeah, I mean, I cover it a bit in the book. The the Na- Nancy story version. I think there was. Um, reports that she'd said that it was due back um, at least about 10, ten years ago, um, but it never actually came back, so then people started to doubt her. But she, her version is that she got the information from uh, the Zetas. Um, the, the, or the, I, I believe there's two different types of greys. Well, there's a few different types of greys, but the, there's the Orions and then there's the Zetas. And she's saying that she got the information from the Zetas. My argument to help her would be that the Zetas probably don't know our exact time frame. You know, to them, one day is probably you know, a, a week, for example, same as Nibiru would take um, a lot longer to, t- to go around the Earth or go around the Sun, which makes their year a lot longer than ours. So it's possible that the information that she was given could actually be still true, but she may have got the wrong dates just be- because they said X amount of time as would pass. So yes, it's it, um, frighteningly. I do believe there is probably another planet out there. There's a few planets that NASA each, each year keep talking about, saying that there's new planets that they found that have elliptical orbits, which would be the same as Nibiru. They're not saying that that's Nibiru, but they are saying there's planets out um, outside our solar system and even on the far reaches of our solar system that have uh, an elliptical orbit. So if they're they're actually admitting that the planets can have, you know, 12,000 year elliptical orbit, then it's possible that there was a, a 36,000 year planet coming back, uh, which kind of frightens me a bit. This is what's, yeah, Sitchin wrote a book about this. I think it was called The 12th Planet. Uh, some call it Nibiru. And uh, so the, the orbit, this elliptical orbit, did you say it's, is it 36,000 years? It, it's supposed to swing by, or is it 3,600 years? Sorry, it's the English to the American. Uh, three thousand six hundred years. Yeah, thirty six hundred years. So I mean, if yeah. you if you if you line that up, this orbit, uh, and every time it swings by, it causes some massive cataclysmic event. Um, I mean, some have some have suggested that it does. It lines up with things like the Great Flood. Uh, you know, the global flood that in the Genesis account, uh, it lines up with uh, the coming ice ages and so forth. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um I mean, some people say that the 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 time frame for the three thousand six hundred years is um, not accurate. There's different times, so then when they go back, there's different um, different events happen. So, it, but yeah, as a general rule, I do believe that the the flooding um, coincides with with Nibiru coming back. The problem with that is then you've got to think, well, if if the Anunnaki are on Nibiru and they're aware of the planet coming back round, then, you know, are we the ones that get the brunt of, because their planet, I think, apparently about four times the size of Earth, are we the only ones that really get a problem with that? Um, and then when you look into the, sort of the secret space program, there's a couple of um, suggestions that uh, the uh, secret space program have got these spaceships that are actually trying to push Nibiru out of the way to stop us from getting the same 
sort of catastrophes that's happened in the past. Again, the problem with that is if there really isn't um, Anunnaki on Nibiru, they really wouldn't want to be pushed out of the way um, by you know, humans trying to move their planet out of uh, their orbit. Um, and then you've also got the other option that it could be um, Nibiru could be similar to the moon, um, a spaceship, but the argument then would be they wouldn't want to come back round and if they could just park it, there's no reason for them to want to have to keep going round and round. Right. Now, when the Anunnaki uh, first came to Earth, uh, I mean, how long did they did they stick around? And what was the purpose? Why did they come? Um, I mean, I can only go by, by uh, Zachariah Sitchin's work, um, which basically says that they, they required some sort of gold powder to possibly sprinkle over their atmosphere to protect their own atmosphere. Um, they, it looks like they stayed for at least um, 300,000 years, which to us seems a long time, but for them, if their their one year is 3,600, um, then it's not very long for them at all. So you'd think, well, why have they stayed this long? But it's not that long for them. So I think they they stayed that amount of time. And then when, obviously, they were creating the first humans, which Adam, I think, is in Hebrew is, is translates to human. So when they created the first human, um, that took them thousands and thousands of years to actually get that right, which is why it's um, they use the, the humans to to mine for this gold, which is why we now believe gold is precious. Whereas years ago, when before anyone worked out gold was precious, someone had to. This is the sort of the way my thinking is: someone had to say to our ancestors, "Hey, gold's precious." Because we wouldn't have melted it at the heat so that you would need to melt gold and things like that back then, you know, ten thousand years ago, uh, or, or less. So the, so I do believe that that uh, you know the Anunnaki did require gold and fashioned gold into various objects, um, which the we later on perceived as precious, and then we started to um, look at gold in that way as well. So they created essentially a slave race uh, using primitive man uh, with, um, I guess, some 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 DNA from their own species. Is that the idea? Yeah. The um, there, there was a few different types of um, humanoid creatures or, or humanoid people on this planet at the time, and they. I'm not sure which ones they actually done the dna on but um the story goes as in the bible they they uh, they took adam's rib and created eve um if you look at um ask any doctor which is the best place to get you know the the, the dna or the bone marrow etc etc they say the rib because it's less intuitive and it's the best place to get it so if you take the bible literally then they did create eve the problem then is um adam and eve had three sons um, who then had their children, but it doesn't actually say who who they had relationships with. The only woman that that, that seems to be around is Eve. So it looks like they had relationships with their own mother, um, unless the, you know everyone didn't bother you know the Bibles etc. Didn't bother adding the fact that there was extra women coming along. But also, if you look at the nature of the Anunnaki and and the following pharaohs. They all inbred anyway to keep their, their true bloodline, so it's possible that the um, Anunnaki didn't mind um, Adam and Eve's offspring 
procreating with their mother because that's the way they do it. They they all seem to keep everything inbred. Right. Well, there is of course the um, the mention of the fallen angels uh, in uh, Genesis, and I, I believe that they're also mentioned in Enoch. Uh, where these fallen angels uh, co-mingle with the daughters of men, meaning women, and create this race called the Nephilim. Now, for, for, from the Christian perspective, I suppose, the, the idea is that these are fallen angels. These are, uh, you know, Lucifer and his minions, those angels that stood in opposition or rebelled against God. Um, so, in your interpretation, then, the... Uh, the Nephilim would have been the product of the Anunnaki, um, I guess, and their hybridization program with humans. Um, well, the, uh, the way I see it is the the eight foot Anunnaki had relationships with the human women, which then produced giants, which were called the Nephilim. Right. And they talk about, uh, you know, that in the Bible they mention that the Nephilim would be would be the men of renown, uh, so like the Titans and and uh, I suppose then the the gods of the various uh, pantheons around the world, the Egyptian pantheon, the ba- Babylonian pantheon of gods, the Greek pantheon of gods, uh, Zeus, Poseidon, etc. Correct? Uh, not the way I saw it. No, no? I, okay. I no. Um, I just think that the the Nephilim were literally just giants which um, had cannibalistic traits, um, and they, they after a while the the king Anu didn't want the true bloodline again going back to their true bloodline didn't want their true bloodline tainted with um, half breeds, so they wanted to wipe them out, which gives them the reason to either allow the flood to happen, knowing that the planet's back coming back round, or they deliberately wiped us out, or wiped them out some other way. The Zeus and um, Neptune and, and those type, I believe, are just simple Anunnaki um, that were perceived as they went around different places. I mean, if, if you, again, believe that the, the, the one year is 3,600 of our years, then they could have travelled all over the planet, and you know, in such a long life, lifetime. Which is why, when um, the Adam and Eve had longer lifespans, because they used the Anunnaki's part of Anunnaki's the Anunnaki's DNA, which made. I mean, even going back down to Noah was said to have lived for a few hundred years. Yeah, six hundred years. Methuselah, of course. Mm. Yes. Um, so then, in, in other words, the, the, the Greek gods, uh, the Egyptian gods, etc., that would have been either, en- they were just, like Zeus, for example, would have been Enlil or Enki. They're just known yeah. by different names according to the different cultures. Precisely, yeah. I, I, I actually believe the pharaohs were sort of lesser um, Anunnaki's because they weren't, uh, they weren't classed as gods. So... Uh, <laughs> Sort of demigods, more like yeah, demigods. Yeah, so to speak, yeah. So th- there was a different name for them. Um, and then you got Abraham, which was one of the descendants further down from um, Adam and Eve, who I think was the first person to create the first religion. I think it was a Jewish religion, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the way I see that is that um, he was allowed some power, but, but wasn't allowed total power. So the Anunnaki allowed some of the sort of offspring or hybrid, should I say, um, certain powers. And once they got to 
Abraham, he wanted more powers, and the only way he could see, this is just my interpretation of it, well, the only way he could see people following him would be if, obviously he's not a god, is if he created some sort of way for people to follow him just as people followed, you know, the Anunnaki. So he created the first religion, and then obviously people after that could say, hang on a minute, if he's got, <laughs> got loads of people following him, I'll create a religion, and that's how I believe all the religions uh, got created. All right, we will uh, take a time out, and uh, on the other side, continue to delve into Black Ops, Aliens, Spirits, Bigfoot, and our untold history with Ian Patterson, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down, and it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. All right, welcome back to the program. Before we get back to Ian Patterson and our untold history, let's just uh, reveal what's in the box. Before that, though, Albert, what is uh, what are people uh, tweeting here? All right, Amanda Curran says, a purple My Little Pony. Uh, <laughs> Jackson says, a pizza cutter. Uh, some, Luke Parkhill says, a candy cane. And David LaSalle says a snow globe with a house and a snowman. Ah, oh, they're all going very seasonal. And uh, you said something metallic. Albert, you were the closest. A spoon? Three spoons? Well, let's uh, open it up and find okay, out. Hold on, I've got to set to the webcam from Twitter. All right. I'll tell you, um, you were you were close with uh, metallic. I think if you'd spent a little more time, you may have uh, nailed it. There you go. A flashlight. It there. is a flashlight. All right. All right, we'll uh, we'll continue along with uh, our conversation with Ian Patterson. Now, uh, Ian, we were talking about uh, the connection between the Anunnaki and the um, the Egyptian pharaohs and so forth. Uh, what is the then the purpose of the uh, the pyramids? First of all, who built them and what for? Okay, uh, this is again just my interpretation. All the pyramids are different, and they're all they're all created differently for different reasons. I think that, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, there was one recently uh, found in Mexico. I think it was. Yeah, they're, they're, these um, things but, are all over the world. They, I think, yeah. they uncovered some in Serbia. They're, they've been found in in, um, in Thailand. Even, uh, yeah. But the one the one I'm talking about actually had um, they found mercury, flowing mercury underneath it. Uh, when you look into what mercury can be used for, it can actually be used for um, weeding out the the gold in ore. So if you think if you think that the Anunnaki were actually um, mining gold, then mercury would be the perfect use to to extract the the gold. Um, the Great Pyramid, um, after after doing as much research as I can, the only sort of logical answer to that would be that the that is actually built as a power plant I, I've, I've read other theories about that that the that the the uh, the pyramids were essentially some sort of a like a giant capacitor or something um, fascinating and but you're saying some of the other pyramids were being used in the in the mining of gold yeah and different for different reasons yeah um, there's no reason for them to have built three pyramids right next door to each other, all for power, on, on the Giza plateau. Um, so one of those was for the, the largest one, I believe, was for power. I'm not sure what the other two are for, uh, were built for, but I don't actually believe the the dates of the pyramids either. Um, the Great Pyramid, the only reference was a to who it belonged to, um, was 
I don't know, you're probably aware of this, but the graffiti that was written, um, and a few people tried out to actually scrape, recently tried to scrape um, paint samples off to, to get it sort of carbon dated. But if the dates are incorrect, then the pyramids go back way more, you know, at least another 5,000 years before that. Of course, then you've got people saying that, ah, oh, well, the pyramids match. If you go back to the star dates, the, the King's Chamber shafts match Orion's belt and the constellation. But the problem with that is recently, if you know the Discovery Channel, they've actually gone in and, and sent a, a robot up through one of the through both of the shafts and they both turn uh i think it's something like nearly 90 degree angle which then means that the shafts don't actually go off to the uh, match orion anymore because if they're, if they're going off at a different angle then then you can't you know uh, the problem is some people try to associate things that we know with certain things and obviously if the shafts were going up that was great but if they're now changed then they're used for a different reason. They're not to point to the stars. And obviously they're not used for um, the spirit of, um, uh, you know, a dead pharaoh because, A, they weren't used as tombs, and, B, why would he need two shafts going up? Um, the same sort of thing with um, crop circles. People believe that the crop circles are messages for us. They actually predate the first... I mean, you need to be at least, you know, nearly a thousand feet up in the air to be able to see some of these crop circles and they predate the first flying machine which would have, would have been the hot air balloon so they're not actually made for us and if they were made for us they would have been a lot smaller for us to be able to see ah excellent so point excellent point so what are they sort of like signposts for for ets flying by the the crop circles i believe are were actually um the state of the planet the the orbs which from what I gather from the the bloke that I met twenty odd years ago, when he was the way he was talking, it seemed to me that the orbs, which are an energy force, which we can't actually see, he said that sometimes people see them out of the corner of their eye, and that's because they're at a slightly different sort of frequency to us. And I guess the, the best way to describe the orbs would be if you've got a remote control, if you point that remote control um, and look at the, the top of it, the LED, the little light infrared you can't see anything but if you put a camera and you film that you press the button that light's flickering away and yet we can't see it so the same goes for the the orbs they're, they're there but we can't actually see them so when they need to sort of manifest something to do with with earth they have to sort of change their frequency in which case we can then see them which is why a few people have filmed them and a few people have seen them so i believe that they actually go into the earth see what's happening with the earth Come back up, create the symbol or you know, information that possibly another race above that's not them, not the orbs, um, would then use that information to determine the state of the planet. And that's the crop circle, and that actually uh, kind of connects with, a lot with uh, what Patty Greer has said in this program, uh, the crop circle gal. We'll uh, continue this conversation. Ian Patterson, Black Ops, Alien Spirits, Bigfoot, and our untold history. He connects them all, folks. Stay tuned. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Ian Patterson stays with us. Black Ops, Alien Spirits, Bigfoot, and our untold history. 
He connects all the dots. Alien races, Anunnaki, bloodlines, ghosts, spirits, souls, dinosaurs, cattle mutilation, so much more. Uh, let's uh, actually focus on uh, bloodlines because we were talking about the, uh, or you mentioned the Anunnaki, uh, who were on this planet for several hundred thousands of years. And um, the, if we trace the bloodlines of certain dynasties, let's say, uh, well, there's this whole thing about the RH factor, and I've had Nick Redfern on the program. He, he wrote a book called Bloodline of the Gods, and uh, he notes that it's very interesting. Uh, you would think that if, in fact, for those who believe in, in evolution that we evolved from monkeys, uh, that we should all have this RH blood marker. Uh, but there's a certain percentage of the population, which I think it's around 5%, that does not have the RH blood marker, which is a protein, uh, which would then what suggests that those without the RH factor somehow uh, carry the the bloodline of the Anunnaki. Does that make sense, Ian? Yeah, yeah. Um, the the negative part of the RH can actually kill unborn babies, which is kind of you know if you go along the evolution line, it's something that's quite quite rare. Is uh, can't um, can't think of anything that would you know just destroy uh, an unborn uh, baby so you have to then sort of think well okay where why is this you know is this an anomaly or is this something that was actually inherent due back to something some other reason so if you look at the anarchy and the the, the type of person they were um, you know, some people say that they were redhead some people say that they were all white with big white beards and white hair which then you could say okay well that explains why people call God, um, you know, with a big white hair and big white beard. Um, but are they, were they albino? Um, and then you've got to think, well, okay, if they're albino, were they albino because their planet goes so far away from the sun, in which case they don't actually get the heat that we would get from the sun. And, and then, so you then work out why, you know, what kind of blood they would have if they were further away. Would the would their planet be the, the the thing that actually heats them up? Because if they go so far away, and NASA um, has admitted that certain planets can actually, just from their own core, keep keep the planet warm, so they don't have to be that close to the sun. So by adding everything together, you can sort of say, okay, well, their blood might be slightly different to ours, and what what would it be different, and would that have trans transferred over to a sort of a bloodline. Uh, we can't, unfortunately, go back to Adam and Eve and find out whether they were the ones that had the first sort of negative version of the RH. But yeah, it does it does make you think. I mean, I put it in the book, but as you say, there's, there's other people that's also looked into this. Um, it just doesn't make sense that you know something can kill babies. It just uh, I don't know if you know what I mean. It's just right, and and why would only a certain percentage of the population be missing the RH factor? And um, I've heard tell that the uh, there's a one of the commonalities among people that have been abducted or claim to be have been abducted is again that missing RH. Yeah, um, some of the some of the reasons why I believe that people were abducted um, at certain times anyway are they come back with radiation burns, small radiation marks. And if you go along the theory that some of the um, alien races out there, 
actually have problems with the radiation, space radiation, then it would make sense that they were trying to find a cure either for them or for us or for our hybrids between <laughs> human and uh, grey aliens. So if, if they've got um, reasons to want to take people with RH negative to test then you think, well, okay, are they? Do they know of the Anunnaki? Why? Why weren't they doing it with the Anunnaki? Why? Why don't they just ask the Anunnaki to use their RH negative instead of taking us? Does that make sense? It uh, sort of. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it if, does in a way. If we've got their part of their blood. Why? You know, would they have used the Anunnaki, or the Anunnaki would have said, "No, go away. We, we don't want anything to do with you." In which case, that would explain why they use us. Right. Going to them. Right. Um, we've only got about seven, eight minutes here, so you know we have to sort of j- jump ahead. And I know that it's when people buy this book, it's important they sort of go chapter by chapter because you have to you sort of build one layer upon the next. Um, but I do want to jump ahead to another paranormal uh, phenomena that you say sort of ties into all of this. Again, there is sort of one unifying um, thing that connects all of these things: aliens, ghosts even Bigfoot. But let's talk about, you, you touched on orbs re- uh, um, recently, but let's talk about ghosts and spirits and so forth. How does that connect in with what, what we're talking about here? Um, the, the, I mean, it all started from the guy that I was talking to. He, he started talking about the orbs and then he started talking about spirits, etc. And, you know, at that time I, I thought that was silly. But as you go along, you realize, well, I, I believe that the, the orbs are sort of the master, not the master race, but the, the, the main entity that's around. And they can split off into um, smaller sort of um, entities, which then um, join with humans before they're born into the pineal gland. And then they stay with the humans. They learn what the humans learn, and then they when they... When the human dies, they they leave, which uh, they leave the body, and then become ghosts. And they can even now go back to their collective, or they can stay as a ghost um, until it's time for them to pass over. So sometimes you hear mediums call out for someone and say, "Oh, you know, I'm looking for Fred," and they get another spirit through, and they say, "No, Fred has already crossed over." Which is weird because we say when when someone dies they cross over, but the spirits then say that they cross over. So once they cross over, they're back to the sort of their collective. So the orbs are, from what I gather, are the the main entity, and the um, zetas, not not so much the zetas, but certainly the Orion greys, are actually working with the um, the orbs. I mean, there's so many stories of, of um, the orbs being seen with the greys, uh, being harvested by the greys, even even bodies, you know, people being massaged, uh, the, the greys sort of come out of them. So we're, uh, I'm just trying to do it in a very short space of time. It's quite complicated. It is but difficult. The, Let- yeah, the the idea is that the we are just containers, as as many um, abductees have said that the aliens call us. So we're just a vessel. Um, and the certain types of aliens that work with the orbs want to get something from us. So before we actually um, join, before the orb joins with us, they agree in a council and with, with the alien race that they're, they're also working with that we're allowed to be abducted and 
that this is what they want from us, from you know, from the person that will end up growing up. They want to learn X, Y, and Z from them. So when we when we have spirit communication, Ian, uh, you you talked about using a spirit board or a Ouija board. When people are having a, a spirit communication. Uh, and they believe they're communicating with, let's say, a dead relative. That is a um, one of these entities, like a light being at this orb that at at one point had sort of grafted on to a human, a human, and so it yeah. retains the memory of that person, yeah. but it's not actually that person, correct? I think it's it sort of like a symbiotic relationship. They they are one of the same. The thing is, once the once the spirit the ghost crosses back over to their own plane, you know, the, the original plane that they come from, they, I think they lose, they keep the, the memories, but I think they lose the personality. So when it comes, otherwise, the, the whole point is that the the orbs are trying to learn to ascend themselves, um, and they want to learn, you know, good, bad, indifferent. But if they all, if they kept our human traits when they went back to their side, they would they would be fighting each other to be honest. Right, right. Um, so I don't, you know, too much of a good thing. So I think that that's I think they are sort of neutral, and they want to experience everything to be able to move up. Otherwise, if they if they've all got their own personalities, these orbs, then there's no point. They'd, they'd know what it's like to be a human because they would, you know, be fighting. And does that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Um, just last point, because and we're almost out of time here. Uh, I, I mean, I'd love to hear how Bigfoot's uh, how Bigfoot fits into all of this. Um, briefly, then, um, they're, the way I see it is that they originally are a, an alien race. Um, a few thousand years ago, the there was a prison ship that crashed onto Earth. Those ones, the, the Bigfoots, stayed here. There was a landmass that could actually join back then. There was you know, you'd be able to cross one continent to another, right. which is why they, they're in different places, uh, except for England, for example. Even though some people say they've seen them, there's none. Um, but the the they stayed here for you know, and they had children, they had children, children, and uh, you know, way back they used to kidnap people. But because we've now got guns, they're not daft. These are intelligent creatures. They know that you know if they start hunting humans again like they used to we we've got guns we can kill them there's enough of us now to find them so the but the bigfoots the actual space bigfoots the ones that are still on on their planet actually have been seen so many times with with the small ryan uh ryan grays that's the way i see the, the grays um that they are actually working with them I and mean, there's a story from england about a little boy that um back in, in the wartime was saw saw a UFO sort of decloak at the end of his street, and there was a what he now calls a Wookie or you know a Chewbacca right. uh, with them standing there with them. But there's so many stories that you can't sort of you have to now think that they are you know working with with other races. Fascinating. Listen, Ian, it's um, it's a fascinating read, and the way that you've managed to piece it all together, you're to be commended for it. Uh, oh, everything is connected. Black Ops, Alien Spirits, Bigfoot, and our untold history. Uh, Ian, again, how do people get a copy of the book? Amazon, uh, Amazon Kindle. And leave us with a website, Ian. Our, 
OurUntoldHistory.com. OurUntoldHistory.com. Ian, thanks for hanging out with me. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, my website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and there, uh, take some time, spend some time, uh, there's lots to discover on the website, you can uh, become a member, go to the radio page for The Conspiracy Show, click on that blue member button, and um, it's very quick to register, it's free, and that gives you access to member-only areas. Say hello on Twitter. At Richard Serrett, S Y because I love you, R E double T. And as always, follow the truth. <laughs>